I'm Haley. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to The Reference Desk, a podcast where two librarians take you down the rabbit hole of the topics that have bewitched us. So adjust the chain on your reading glasses, button up your favorite cardigan, and follow us punk-ass book jackies through the stacks to The Reference Desk. Hello. Hi, Haley. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Good. And tired. I'm good. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, well, yeah. So, well, by the time this comes out, Christmas will be over. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because we're just, um, we're just a few days out. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. So this will come out like right before New Year's. Fun. Do you have have New Year's plans? <laughs> no. Um, my dad has a show. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were going to go to that, but it turns out he doesn't start playing until nine. Oh. Which is just too late. It's too late. To take a three-year-old. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, just to be out in general, it's too late. (laughs) Well, yeah, that too. That too. Um, Like, we were kind of trying to figure it out, and my mom was like, well, you know, I could go for a little bit and then come home, and then you guys could go out and, like, be out for midnight. And I was like, God, no. (laughs) No, thank you. Sounds awful. (laughs) So, yeah, we don't have any plans. I think we're just going to stay home. Yeah, how about you guys? That's probably what we'll do, too. <laughs> Just stay home. Like, there's nothing to go out and do. No. Yeah, our favorite brewery, brewery, I still can't say that word. Um, they have a New Year's Eve party every year. And the last one we went to was right before I got pregnant. And that was hmm. a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> we have not attended since. Uh, but that's the only thing we would do. Probably, Mm -hmm. but that's not going to (laughs) happen. Oh, well. Yeah. (laughs) We're fun. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. We're so fun. (laughs) Welcome to adulthood and having small children. It's a trap. (laughs) (laughs) He'll never do anything fun again unless it's child fun. (laughs) That sounds bad. (laughs) That sounds real bad. (laughs) Well, thank you for the segue, Haley. <laughs> yes, this is a special episode because um, I could not get my shit together. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I need to get it in in 2021 while it's still relevant. Yeah. I guess <laughs> <laughs> who knows what other shit's gonna happen. Very true. Well, have you been reading anything though? <laughs> <laughs> just wait i wrote something down and i want to read it oh, that was like the most disappointed anyone has ever sounded in me asking a question i <laughs> to answer no no, <laughs> no I'm, <laughs> you already know the answer Haley. outlander yes i am about halfway through Ooh. go tell the bees that i am gone okay so I'm hoping that in the next week or two, I will finish that and be able to move on with my life because <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. What about you, Haley? Have you been reading anything? No, but. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that was not the answer I was expecting. 
Um, I do want to talk. It's been uh, a little crazy in library land as of late, just in my branch specifically, or my library system, I should say. Uh, We're partnering with the Virginia Department of Health to hand out rapid COVID tests, like at-home tests to people for free. Uh, So we got a huge shipment from the Department of Health, um, and it took us like over a week to pass them out. And then once we were all out of them, we ordered more. And while we were waiting for that shipment, the news picked it up and said, go get your free test at the library. No. So um, we've gotten in two shipments since then. They've gone within hours. Um, and we're talking hundreds of tests. <laughs> so every single phone call <laughs> for the past three days has just been asking about COVID tests to the point where we've had over 550 phone calls <laughs> at the library in the past three days asking about COVID tests. So that's been super fun. And I don't know if any other library is experiencing that as well. It's kind of like miserable. Yeah, it's been awful. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Welcome to America, where you have to get your health care through your public library. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, there was like people saying, yeah, my doctor texted me and told me to come here to get a test. I was like, what? 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 (laughs) And then a lot of people thought we were like actually physically doing the test for them. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going anywhere near your nose. This is strictly for you to do at home. It's like, I don't know if anyone, rem- oh, yeah, I'm sure you remember the solar eclipse that happened a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, like most libraries were handing out those solar eclipse glasses. Yeah. And of course we got rid of ours in, within hours. And then for the next two weeks, that was seriously every phone call we got. So it's like, <laughs> it's the solar eclipse glasses all over again. No. Oh, I get my booster tomorrow. <laughs> Yay. I'm so excited. That's great. It's like, if it knocks me out, I'm off for four days, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, every, so everyone in my family got it before my mom, and we all kind of like, we felt it the next day for sure. Mm-hmm. My mom drank a bunch of Pedialyte oh. and took um, Tylenol right before she went to the appointment, and she did fine. Wow. Okay. I I definitely have Pedialyte in the house. So. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It seemed to work for her. I mean, it's okay. just totally anecdotal evidence. I mean, hey. I'm not a doctor. What do you mean, Katie? You can't just say something about health and people can't just believe you? I know, right? That's how it works. Oh, I saw this TikTok the other day. It was like this spoof on like those um, commercials for, you know, like University of Phoenix and stuff. And- <laughs> He was talking about going to University of Facebook. <laughs> how you can you can become an expert in anything yeah. in just hours a day. Oh yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Well, all right. Um, yeah, I don't have a real backstory behind this to lead into it. This is something that uh, we've been wanting to talk about for a while. Just kind of waiting for the right time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so this is your Duggar family update. Woo woo! More specifically, the trial of Josh Duggar. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, so when I started, I was like, 
you know, I'll just like briefly talk about the trial um, and then, you know, give some other Duggar news. And there was so much with the trial that I was like, <laughs> I can't even talk about the other shit that's happening oh with the my family. Gosh. And there is other stuff. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is just a Duggar podcast now. <laughs> can we, can, can we title the, the episode, not a Duggar podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that someone's TikTok? Or I think there's a TikTok that's like not a Duggar TikTok or something. Cause she looks like one of them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She looks like one of them and she talks about them. And I think her, her name is like not a Duggar TikTok or something like that. Oh my gosh. I had, I haven't seen that one. I've seen <laughs> one where it's this girl who she does her hair like Michelle and she's, oh, she's always wearing like two pairs of jeans, like over her shoulders. <laughs> she's just, she talks like Michelle and she'll be like, no, tonight I made my tater tot casserole <laughs> and she sounds and looks just like her. And it's so funny. Fantastic. Yeah. I can't remember the the name of the channel, but uh, <laughs> if I, if I find it and it's still active, I'll link it in the episode. Yay. Okay. Uh, so if you have not listened to our two part episode about the Duggar family yet, just stop yep. right now. Yes. And go back and listen. It's season one, episodes 17 and 18. Our most listened episodes. Yes, you all love the Duggars. Yes. You love to hate them. <laughs> Quick trigger warning, there will be mention of child sexual abuse materials because that was what Josh Duggar was on trial for. I'm not going to go into any details about what specifically those were. There's plenty of information out there if you want to go looking for it it's horrific and disgusting and i will not be talking about that so when we left off on episode 18 josh duggar was awaiting trial for child sexual abuse materials and the rest of the duggar family was pretty much just taking a well god will reveal the truth stance with the whole thing yeah um with the exception of cousin amy duggar who was the only outspoken normal seeming member of that family. (laughs) So obviously we have some updates. Yeah. So just a brief look back kind of at the timeline of where this all started on November 19th, 2019 Homeland security conducted an investigation at wholesale motor cars, which is the car dealership that Josh Duggar manages. It's not in existence anymore, shockingly, but it was a Duggar family car lot. So Homeland Security was following up on downloads that had allegedly been made on a computer there from May 14th through 16th of 2019 and had been initially flagged by the Little Rock Police Department and traced to Josh Duggar's IP address. So at the time, Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent Gerald Faulkner discussed a file depicting child sexual abuse material, and he described what he found as being, quote, in the top five worst that I've ever had to examine. Oh, God. And this is a man who does this for a living. So he's seen some shit. On April 29th, 2021, Duggar was arrested and placed on a federal hold with no bail. And the following day, Duggar made his first courtroom appearance via Zoom and was officially charged with two counts of downloading and possessing child pornography. 
I hate that like the rest of the world has agreed that we should not call it child pornography because it's not consensual. Yeah, no. But our justice system is like, nah. <laughs> Oi. So um Josh pled not guilty. <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. This just reminds me, I keep seeing this saying everywhere. Um, it's what is it? Uh may you have the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> like, like yes. <laughs> that's what you get when you plead not guilty for something you clearly did. Maybe it's it has maybe it's a narcissism thing. I don't know. Cause I mean that's what Ted Bundy did. He's like, I'm gonna plead not guilty and I'm gonna defend myself. Oh Lord, yes. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I'm honestly kind of surprised that there wasn't like another Duggar <laughs> defending him. <laughs> I'm the legal counsel now. Granted permission by the Lord. Hi, friends. I'm Michelle Duggar. <laughs> On May 5th, 2021, a detention hearing was held in court and Duggar was released to designated third party custodians who were family friends named LeCount and Maria Reber. The terms of the release stated that Duggar would be confined to their home with GPS electronic monitoring and would be allowed to have unlimited contact with his own children um. as long as his wife, Anna Duggar, was present, but was not permitted to have any contact with other minors, including his five siblings still under the age of 18. Shouldn't have been able to see his own kids either. No, not without someone other than his wife there seriously like they don't they don't know that he wasn't doing anything to them right and you would think given like the barest bit of knowledge about this fundamentalist background that anna duggar can't stand up to him if something is happening right she's powerless yes. so that's a terrible position to put the children in, in and to put her in. Absolutely. Duggar also submitted to supervision by the U.S. Probation Office and was restricted to the custodial residence at all times except for court-ordered obligations, work, or other activities approved in advance. He was not allowed to possess or review erotica. It's such a weird, weird way of putting it, like review erotica, <laughs> like you're like critiquing it or like writing scholarly <laughs> articles on it. I'm just reviewing this. <laughs> I'm not really into it. I'm not. It's just I have to do this. <laughs> he also was not allowed to access or utilize any Internet device or obtain passwords from his custodians. Mm-hmm. He was ordered to surrender his passport and was restricted to travel only within the western part of Arkansas. My God, is there a worse place to be restricted to? (laughs) With no internet. And you can't even have a device that can access internet, so you know that you're back on, like, a flip phone. Yeah. I mean, he deserves it, but... Yes, yes. That should be a super boring <laughs> Uh In June of 2021, the trial was scheduled to begin on July 6th, but the defense requested a delay until February of 2022. The court found this to be an unnecessary delay, and they settled for November 30th of 2021. Mm-hmm. 
It's so weird reading years now. Like, I feel like these mean nothing. <laughs> like, what's 2020? What's 2021? I, mm, yeah. <laughs> it's all just one long year. It really is. On October 29th of 2021, Jim Bob Duggar announced his candidacy for Arkansas State Senate District 7. <laughs> because when your family is in the middle of a major legal crisis, that's obviously the right move. <laughs> in November, both sides, prosecution and defense, filed multiple motions with the court, totaling 10 the first motion from the defense would have sequestered witnesses and prevented the prosecution from speaking with them during the trial. Uh, the prosecution filed a motion related to allowing evidence about Duggar's addiction to pornography and the government's right to question Duggar on his character, including truthfulness if he were to take the stand. Another filing pertained to statements Duggar made during the execution of the search warrant at his business. Both sides filed motions regarding the use of allegations against Duggar when he was a juvenile. Just a reminder, Josh confessed to multiple instances of sexual abuse, including against his own sisters when he was a teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, the Duggars handled it by sending him to Bible camp and having him talk to a former police officer who would later go on to be convicted of child sex abuse charges of his own. Great. worked. It worked really well. It did. Uh, yes. Um, the prosecution also noted at that time that they had been seriously struggling to subpoena Jim, Bob, and Michelle, that they were just avoiding them at every possible opportunity. On November 16th, Jim Bob updated his campaign website with a message that seemed to be about the trial, saying in part, quote, I will not allow the liberal left, social media, or fake news to define me and my family. Oh, no. No, this is your justice system. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he says, like so many other families, we too have faced crises, difficulties, and heartbreak. Cancel culture and the radical left want to keep us from being involved in politics. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, as as a member of the quote unquote radical left, yeah, I don't want you involved in politics. hundred percent. Right. <laughs> However, <laughs> wow. And also, you're the one that chose to launch a political campaign while your eldest son was on trial for this. Seriously. A privilege! <laughs> I know. Uh, he says, quote, They say because our family has faced problems, we should shrink away. This is why they are often so relentlessly unkind, but we cannot sit on the sidelines during a time when one of America's most important battles is taking place. That's terrifying. I will say that is one of the smartest things that Trump ever did for himself was to make it so that you can argue with any one of his supporters or anyone who believes this kind of crap, and they just won't believe you, so you there's nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. All they have to say is, no, I don't believe you, and then that's it. Like There's no amount of you proving that they're wrong that they'll believe. So it's, right. it's done. Yeah, they will <laughs> not listen to reason of any kind. No. No. And, and now they think they're fighting a battle. Perfect. Okay. 
Yeah, it's super scary. Yeah. On November 17th, Anna Duggar announced the birth of her and Josh's seventh child in an Instagram post. She was pregnant during this whole <gasps> Oh, God. Pregnant with six small children at home. Uh, Madison Lily Duggar was born on October 23rd. Mm. On November 18th, at a pretrial hearing, Judge Timothy L. Brooks ruled that an evidentiary hearing would be needed before the trial could begin. And on November 19th, Josh and Anna Duggar arrived to that pretrial holding hands, very much putting up a united front. Hmm. The prosecution told Judge Brooks that they wanted to call witnesses to testify that Duggar sexually assaulted a child in 2003, including Jim Bob and family friend Bobby Holt. The judge scheduled an additional pretrial hearing on November 29th to decide if the testimony would be approved. So on November 29th, Jim Bob Duggar did take the stand Mm. in the pretrial hearing. He repeatedly stated that he couldn't remember the details regarding Josh informing him about his sexual assault as a teen. The one against his own sisters? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's clearly decided that his son is the most important in that instance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't matter that his own daughters were sexually abused. Perfect. Great. Great. Uh, He said that he really respected Josh for bringing it to their attention. (laughs) I know it's maddening. He also grew visibly upset when the police report that was published by in touch weekly was brought up telling the judge quote, for you guys to use a tabloid to bring it back up is very unprofessional. I'm not going to allow it. Are you going to allow for that? It's public record, right? (laughs) Like, Anyone can see it. Literally anyone. It gets worse. <laughs> my, my fucking work emails are public record. Like, if you really want to see what I'm emailing about, you can go submit a uh, Freedom of Information Act. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> he refused to read that report out loud in court. He <laughs> instead chose to silently read it to himself like a child. <gasps> Um, and then he said again, he couldn't really remember anything. Judge Brooks told Jim Bob, quote, if there is an objection to be made, someone will make it, but it won't be you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, although I feel like he probably should have been held in contempt or something like. Yeah. Family friend Bobby also testified, providing details, and she confirmed that she did counsel Josh at the time. She, you know, amazingly remembered it, where his own father couldn't. Uh, Josh's legal team argued that because Josh confessed to Bobby Holt when she was acting as part of a church group, uh, she should not be allowed to testify at the trial, citing Arkansas's law on clergy privilege as the reason. Doesn't that only pertain to, like, priests and stuff? Yeah, and also come to find out that during that time, Bobby Holt held no sort of position of power at the church whatsoever. Ta-da! That (laughs) church actually did not even have elders who had any sort of power. Wow. So it was all just completely fabricated. Yeah. And um, Bobby Holt's husband, Jim, 
when Jim Bob was campaigning, released a statement saying that, you know, Jim Bob has been my friend for like 40 years, but um, he lied about my wife being an elder at this church. And if he was willing to lie to his best friends, then why would you trust him? Nice. Yeah. On November 30th, Josh's trial was, you know, supposed to begin, but instead it started with a juror being excused after it was revealed that the individual was a relative of Duggar. Oh my gosh. How did they not catch this before? Well, it's Arkansas, Haley. <laughs> Everyone's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sorry if you're Arkansas. in Arkansas. Sorry. Love you. Uh, juror number seven was excused after stating, quote, <laughs> I know Josh Duggar. This is, I do not know who this person is, <laughs> but this is what I'm imagining they sound like. I know Josh Duggar. The marriage of my daughter is to his brother. That's an odd thing to say. <laughs> I know, I know. Wait, his son in law? Yes, it was a son. No, his daughter was married to another Duggar. Okay. Yeah, his daughter is married to one of Josh's brothers. Okay. So still an in law. (laughs) But yeah. I know him. I know Josh Duggar. (laughs) Shoot, nobody told me this was that Duggar. (laughs) Uh, Judge Brooks was visibly shaken and shocked by the reveal. (laughs) And said the juror obviously should have been filtered out much sooner. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know, Tim. (laughs) Wait, what is it? The marriage of my daughter is to his brother. Well, the marriage of my daughter is to his brother. (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) Oh, no. Love it. I love it. Okay, so that puts us at trial day one, which conveniently fell on December 1st, which made it real nice keeping my date straight while researching this. (laughs) Okay. So, um, the trial begins with judge Brooks filing a 15 page opinion paper and an order stating that Duggar's prior allegations of child molestation conduct could be introduced as evidence. Mm -hmm. He offered detailed instructions to the jury, noting that there would be additional instructions at the conclusion of the trial and that they are, quote, equally binding and must be followed. So the prosecution presented its opening statement detailing the explicit nature of the charges, Prosecutor Assistant U.S. Attorney Dustin Roberts also outlined the federal process used to find the alleged user of those images that connected with the police via a peer-to-peer file-sharing network. Mm -hmm. And that person was Josh Duggar. Roberts told the jury that during the initial search of the used car dealership, Duggar said, quote, So what, guys? Was someone downloading child pornography? (laughs) said anything else child pornography i know them (laughs) (laughs) roberts described the three confiscated electronic devices which were an iphone a macbook laptop and an hp all-in-one desktop computer and said that duggar told officers he used them in a 50 50 split for work and personal purposes He then went on to conclude with information about a Linux partition that was installed on the HP computer, um, as well as Covenant Eyes, which if you're interested, just go back and listen to that episode, you guys. (laughs) It's an application that restricts viewing of pornography, 
Uh, and the prosecution said that their case will explain that the Linux partition allowed Duggar to bypass the Covenant Eyes program. Mm-hmm. So then the defense, led by attorney Justin K. Gelfand, opened their statement by saying, quote, if you like a good mystery, then this is the case for you. Oh, dear God. It's like he's pretending to be a <laughs> I know, I know. Yes, you're so right. Uh, he stated that the defense case would focus on a forensic trail and that he himself began questioning the details of that trail with regards to his client from the very moment the police first detected the online activity. Because he didn't understand it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Probably because you'd never heard of Linux before. (laughs) Linux! I know him! (laughs) This is my new favorite thing! (laughs) He went on to explain that nine devices were seized and only two of those were personal products of Duggars. <laughs> he says, Josh is a Mac guy. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, we do not claim him. <laughs> <laughs> he then noted that no child sexual abuse materials were found on his Apple brand personal devices. Gelfan went on to state that while Duggar is, quote, a great guy, he is, quote, not a computer genius. He detailed Duggar's homeschooling to the jury, noting that his client received a GED at age 16 with no further education after that. So basically, (laughs) his client is too dumb to download child sexual abuse materials. Right, yeah. Uh, He also noted other individuals that had access to the HB computer and added many details and specifics about files, file sharing, BitTorrent applications, and other forensic computer details. He noted that an expert in the field would be one of their key witnesses. All right. So prosecution's first witness was Detective Amber Calmer of the Little Rock Police Department. And Calmer Calmer testified that peer-to-peer sharing is, quote, one of the most common ways to share child pornography. She described how law enforcement uses their own software to engage in the peer-to-peer transfers to track illegal images of children and explained that the program gathers information such as the other user's IP address, geolocation, and hash values that serve like thumbprints for files. Kelmer herself was using the software on May 14th, 2019, when it connected with a user in IP address in Springdale, Arkansas. And over the next two days, that user sent a video file and a zip file containing about 65 images. Parts of those video and photos were then shown to the jury. Mm. Mm. Uh, Second witness was Special Agent Faulkner, the one who had said this was one of the worst things he'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, He detailed the process that occurred after Calmer alerted Homeland Security about the peer-to-peer file sharing. So he stated that he looks for three specific details while investigating one, any and all electronic devices capable of file sharing two, any devices with child sexual abuse materials on them and three determining whether someone was physically using a computer on the dates that crimes occurred. Okay. Uh, Homeland security sent an undercover agent to Duggar's car lot in early November before requesting and receiving the search warrant that they carried out. Faulkner recalls Duggar's behavior during the search as, quote, calm with no physical reaction. Hmm. 
he agreed to make a statement, which is when he asked before even being questioned if the case was related to child pornography. Dude. Uh, they recorded the interview with Duggar, which was then presented to the jury in three sections. The recording reveals Josh himself asking a lot of questions of the detectives, like if the case was connected to a certain IP address or if the devices were being checked for transmitting or receiving. What? The- <laughs> well, there goes his defense's case that, that he was too dumb to understand anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will agree that obviously he's dumb. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But he knows how this works. (laughs) Yeah, he does. Oh, my God. Why would you answer any questions without a lawyer? Or offer information. Yeah, just. Well, I didn't do it, but here's how it could have been done. (laughs) But somebody else that isn't me. Well, I mean, wasn't that O.J. Simpson's? Yes. (laughs) Sure was. (laughs) He wrote a whole book about it. Oh my God, he did. All right. Trial day two, November 2nd, 2021. Day two began with Josh Duggar's defense team continuing their their cross-examination of Special Agent Faulkner with lots of questions about the particulars of items seized and not seized. Uh, They also asked a lot about Caleb Williams, who is an ex-boyfriend of Jana Duggar who had been convicted of criminal sexual abuse. And it seems like playing with the idea of kind of pinning this on Caleb, trying to suggest that he could have accessed Josh's computer from a remote location. Hmm. But that line of questioning was quickly shut down as Williams was in Illinois in May of 2019 and was not ever a part of the investigation. Yeah. Uh, Witness three was a former Duggar employee named Matthew Waller. He he is related to Josh via marriage. Of course. As his, quote, his sister. Hold on, I have to do the voice. My sister-in-law's sister is Anna Duggar. (laughs) So apparently everyone just marries Duggars. Yes. I mean, there are a lot of them. A whole lot. Uh, Waller answered lots of questions about the specifics of a homeschool conference that he had attended with Duggar in early May, as well as about his duties at the car lot um, and kind of how things worked there and common passwords they used on their computers and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Witness four was the Covenant Eyes VP of Technology, Jeff Wooford. (laughs) He explained to the jury how the software worked and confirmed that Duggar had been subscribed to the service since 2013. Jesus. Uh, He also testified that Josh's wife, Anna, was the accountability partner on the account. Um, He explained that the Covenant Eyes program couldn't catch any activity completed on a Linux partition as it functions as a separate computer. Mm Mm-hmm. Witness five was special agent Jeffrey Pryor, who was present during the search warrant execution and was the assistant team leader and search team leader. And he talked through how the team decides which items to take into their custody. Mm -hmm. Um, Witness six was Marshall Kennedy, a computer forensic analyst with Homeland Security Investigations. 
Witness seven was James Futrell, director of the High Technology Investigative Unit of the U.S. Department of Justice. Uh, And he was officially admitted to the court as an expert witness. So the questioning of Futrell revolved around exactly what he discovered when examining Duggar's HP, MacBook, and iPhone. Key pieces of evidence entered during this testimony were a screenshot showing the Linux partition, computer logs, and graphic videos and images of children. Mm. Um, He provided graphic details on the files seized from the computer and went over logs that included file names, descriptions, unique hash values, and dates and times of downloads. The only other thing to note that Derek Dillard was in court that day, who's Jill Duggar's husband, uh, likely because it was rumored that his wife, as one of Josh's former victims, not former victims, as one of Josh's victims from his teenage sexual abuse spree could be called to testify. Mm. Trial day three, December 3rd. Questioning of expert witness Fatrell continued with a thorough examination of exactly what was found on the HP computer and details from a backup of Duggar's iPhone that placed the phone at the car lot, car lot on the exact dates and times down to the minute that the illegal child sex abuse material was being downloaded, accessed, and shared on the HP. Yeah. Uh, He also dismissed the possibility of someone remotely accessing the HP, saying that there was no evidence to support it. The prosecution wrapped up their questioning by asking, quote, who was present at the car lot every single time child pornography was downloaded? To which Fatrell replied, Josh Duggar. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I... Like, I summarize this so briefly. This is a brief summary. <laughs> Trials are so fucking boring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's nothing like Illegally Blonde. It's really not. Or, you know, um, SVU. Or, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, it's like these mundane-seeming questions uh-huh. that are just, you know, one after another after another. And they're just trying to build up to this bigger point. But oh my lord. (laughs) Yeah, super, super boring. Still my greatest dream in life to be on a jury. (laughs) And it's never happened. Me either. Uh, Cross-examination of... Fuck, I already forgot this guy's name because I've been talking for too long. (laughs) Cross-examination of Fatrell by... I feel like every time I say it, it gets like closer to Pharrell. (laughs) (laughs) Joey Fatone. (laughs) Cross-examination by attorney Gelfand focused on why the search and seizure team wouldn't want to take every single electronic device present. Fatrell explained that like any other business or agency they work with limited time and resources and can only seize relevant technology as it would be simply impossible to go through every piece of tech at every site they went to (laughs) yeah (laughs) gelfand wanted to press on the fact that the linux partition only took about a tenth of the computer's hard drive and that no child sexual abuse materials were found on the Windows side of the computer. No shit! (laughs) Yeah. 
Anna would have known. <laughs> he then turned questioning to the computer's router, which was not seized or investigated because it's a fucking router. <laughs> In the afternoon, Fatrell testified that a car receipt naming Josh as the sales agent had been found behind the Linux partition and that the password used to access the hidden section was a variation on passwords Duggar had used on other devices for the last five years. Password one. (laughs) (laughs) Trial day four. We had a weekend, so it is now Monday, December 6th. Okay. So now my numbering is messed up. That's still so recent. Oh, my goodness. I know. Yeah. But time is meaningless right now. 100%. So on day four, the prosecution wrapped up their case by calling three final witnesses. So witness number seven was Clint Branham, who is currently a tech expert in cybersecurity at Walmart. He testified that he had met Duggar for the first time 20 years ago at a campaign fundraiser and that they had, quote, run in the same circles for years. He described Duggar as an acquaintance with whom he frequently discussed technology. He said, quote, he was generally what I would consider a power user of computer systems. Huh. Branham thought that Duggar would be comfortable modifying hardware and installing whatever was necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, He also testified that in the summer of 2010, Duggar himself and Jim Holt had all had a conversation about internet filtration, including how to set up a Linux partition. Oh. Witness number eight was Jim Holt himself. (laughs) Uh, He testified to the same. And Holt explained his family's relationship to the Duggars as, quote, family friends since before Josh was born. And that Duggar had volunteered on Holt's political campaigns beginning at age 12. He said that as a teen, Josh had put together computer graphics and helped assemble and edit a commercial for him. So he was obviously very comfortable with computers. Yes. Um, Holt's wife, Bobby, followed as witness nine. She gave emotional testimony about Duggar's um, sexual abuse of young girls after the judge reminded the jury that they were only considering the child's sexual abuse materials charges, but that they should, quote, give the weight and value you believe it is entitled to receive. Mm, Okay. Bobby explained that Duggar had confessed his crimes to her in explicit details, as at the time, he was courting Bobby's oldest daughter. Ew! The prosecution rested its case after Bobby's testimony. The defense then began presenting their case. Um, Haley, how many witnesses do you think the defense called? Oh, dear God. I want to say either like something stupid like two or like 105. <laughs> it's two. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) No. This is not a real lawyer. (laughs) Like, obviously, Josh is guilty as fuck. But also, I can't believe that with the Duggar's influence and money, they didn't have some superstar attorney who did better than this. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Okay, so witness one of two <laughs> was Michelle Bush. Um, she's a digital forensics expert who works for Lore's Forensic in Phoenix, Arizona. Bush testified that three files were opened from an, an external device plugged into the computer and were never opened on any of Duggar's personal devices. She also noted that the username on the Linux account, which was Dell underscore one, was unusual since an underscore can, quote, confuse the system. What? I don't know shit about computers, but I'm pretty sure they're cool with underscores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it like, it's like a wingdings Oh, in there. no! What does this mean? <laughs> Um, she also noted that it was just strange because Dell is a completely different computer manufacturer that has nothing to do with any of the C's devices. I sound so biased reading this. I'm sorry. No, he's guilty. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, you gave it away. Oops. Sorry. (laughs) You can edit that out, Katie. No, I can't. (laughs) This is going up unedited. Unedited. Oh, God. No, they'd never come back. (laughs) She also discussed that router that wasn't seized. Um, They are real big into this router. Uh, (laughs) She stated that it stored information and maintains logs. Uh, Gelfand spent hours questioning her, basically trying to find any avenue that could lead to any sort of discrepancy to build reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. Uh, The circumstances of the installation of the Linux partition remained a point of contention, with Bush testifying that the uTorrent application was not available in the Linux app store until June, leading her to believe that everything must have been downloaded using command line code, which... I guess is like hard. I don't know. She also noted that not all of the downloaded torrent files were streamed and that someone entered a URL in order to stream a video, um, meaning that it could have potentially went to a different device. I mean, like, I think if you're already using a torrent, you you probably can figure out, you know, command line. I mean, that's, that's like the old school computers, right? Like you would boot it up and you would have to, you know, type in start. And then that's, I think that's what that is. What she used to check that, like her evidence that she presented was that she had used archive.org to like, look at the Linux page in May. And she says that like, it wasn't available on there. That is essentially just like a, a picture though of right. So like just cause it wasn't on one page doesn't mean it okay i don't know that afternoon she testified that a user did not need to be physically present to download the illegal files which contradicted statements james fatrell had given she told the jury that one of the videos downloaded was deleted within 30 seconds and that it quote follows the patterns and characteristics of a remote user accessing the computer in a hit and run to me, it follows the characteristics of a fundamentalist Christian watching child sexual abuse materials and thinking, oh, fuck, I'm going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's about it. Or someone walking in on him. Right. Yeah. Something. Since yeah. he's in a fucking car dealership and it's a desktop computer. So, you know, it's like <laughs> s- 
somewhere out in the open. No! All right, trial day five, December 7th. So the day started with prosecution cross-examining Michelle Bush. Cracks in the honesty of her testimony from the day before became evident almost immediately. Mm. So it turns out that her 10 years of experience that she testified to as a forensic forensic examiner included time as a college student. No, that doesn't count. No. Um, And the day before she had testified that she had been an expert witness in dozens of cases, but upon questioning, she admitted that this quote might be her first. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Was she immediately dismissed for lying? (laughs) (laughs) No, she, I mean, she told them they would have to check her resume. It might have been. <laughs> I feel like someone should remember if they sat in a courtroom and given testimony before as an expert <laughs> witness. Like, think. pretty big deal. Um, oh, my God. People just lie. They just lie all the time. It's such like a commonplace thing in our courts. Ugh. Um, her training also never included a Linux-specific course <laughs> or any training on the torrential downpour software used by law enforcement. <laughs> she had only dealt with Linux about 10 times before. Mm. When pressed on the installation of Linux on the computer, she said it was, quote, most likely done by someone at the car lot in May of 2019. She confirmed that she had seen a bookmarked hidden wiki site that is known for having the location of child exploitation material sites on it. She also admitted that there were no files or evidence of the HP being accessed remotely, but she said those logs would have been overwritten by the time the device was seized and refused to state that she had found no such log, instead saying, quote, it doesn't exist. Huh. Bush confirmed that she had never been to the car lot, doesn't know its business hours, and didn't do any research on those things before conducting her examination of the electronic devices. Jeez. Gelfand followed up with questions about a photograph of the HP screen with a visible reflection in it. The picture was found on an iPhone backup on Duggar's personal MacBook Pro laptop. Mm. The prosecution had argued the photos proved someone was actually at the keyboard at the time because you could see them. But Bush refuted the point, saying that just because it was on the phone doesn't mean the phone took it. What? <laughs> she's I, she's saying, you know, someone else took a picture of someone who was not Josh Duggar at Josh Duggar's computer and sent it to Josh Duggar's phone. But, why? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so witness two of two. <laughs> Two. The first one was stunning. Great job. That was their that was their star witness. Oh no! They put it all on her. Oh, so witness two was Daniel Wilcox, not his real name. Ah, okay. Who was a former Homeland Security Investigations Task Force member and Rogers Police Department narcotics officer. Okay. 
He had been sent on an aborted search warrant execution at the property adjacent to the Duggars car lot. Apparently when they pulled the search warrant, there was some mix up with street maps and addresses and um, it pulled up the address next to the car lot, even Hmm. though there's like nothing there. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways, he was then sent to wholesale motor cars undercover to verify that Duggar worked there. He made two visits to the car lot, posing as a potential buyer, where he observed a computer and an iPhone. No one could really figure out what the point of him being there was. Uh huh. Like, he didn't make any sort of argument to support the defense. Even on cross-examination, the prosecution kind of was just like, we like we don't know why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with that, a whopping two witnesses. Oh my God. Uh, the defense rested their case. <laughs> <laughs> so the prosecution called James Fattrell back as a rebuttal witness to respond to some of Bush's wild testimony. (laughs) Uh, He basically just told the jury that it is very simple to download and install a Linux partition, a Tor browser, and a VLC media player. He was able to succinctly describe it, you know, in a few words, Mm -hmm. proving that Josh really wouldn't have needed any special knowledge to do any of it. Okay. The prosecution wrapped up by having Fattrell reiterate the important parts of their argument. One, the HP user did not need to use command lines at all to install any of the applications involved. Okay. Two, there was no evidence that the computer was accessed remotely on the dates in May. And three, someone was physically present behind the keyboard of the HP downloading the files. The final day of testimony brought Jim Bob to the courtroom where he was seen in good spirits as he gave Josh a side hug in the courtroom gallery's front row. In addition to Jim Bob, several other Duggars had been present throughout the trial, including his wife, Anna, who I believe was there every day. Mm. um, And Josh's siblings, Jessa, Justin, Joy Anna, and Joy Anna's husband, Austin Forsyth, along with Derek Dillard, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, Jim Bob gave a brief statement to press at the conclusion of the day saying, quote, we just want the truth to come out and we appreciate your prayers for our family. (laughs) Okay. That's, that's a different, we just want the truth to come out and not cancel culture. (laughs) Okay. Day six. (laughs) We're almost done. (laughs) Assistant U.S. Prosecuting Attorney Carly Marshall started the day with presenting the prosecution's closing arguments. Marshall walked through each aspect of the case, making it clear that Duggar was the only one at the car lot at the time the child sexual abuse material was being downloaded and viewed. Mm-hmm. Defense Attorney Justin Gelfand gave nearly 90 minutes of closing arguments. How? You had two witnesses! <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like that would just make your case worse because they would just tune out. Like, I can't listen to this person talk anymore. I'm done. Yeah, 100%. Uh, He reiterated all the points that the defense had made and said the investigators had ignored all other possible suspects because, quote, 
They were so star starstruck about the possibility of prosecuting Josh Duggar, so blinded by that focus that they refused to look for anything else. <laughs> Who else could it have been? I don't know. I don't know. Someone who hated Josh Duggar and was somehow remotely accessing his computer is, I guess, what the defense was hoping the jury would decide had happened. Jeez. The prosecution responded with attorney Dustin Roberts saying that the defense's strategy was to, quote, throw the truth against the wall and see what sticks. (laughs) He also said Gelfand wanted the jury to look anywhere but the facts. He ended with, quote, Mr. Duggar has had his day in court. Now it's time to hold him accountable. It's time to convict Josh Duggar. Mm-hmm. The jury spent the rest of the day in deliberations and decided to adjourn for the day rather than continuing into the night. Okay. And I remember, like, reading the news that day and people were, like, starting to get a little worried that that meant that they were super divided if they were like, no, we like, we know we're not, we know it's not going to get done tonight. Yeah. But isn't, isn't like, um, don't they say if the verdict comes back quickly, it's usually an, an innocent verdict or is it the other way around? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, all of like my anecdotal things that are springing to mind are like, of course, all white juries like immediately finding black defendants guilty in like minutes. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Having never been granted my wish of serving on a jury, (laughs) I cannot give you firsthand (laughs) firsthand experience. Uh, Okay. So that brings us to day seven of the trial, which was December 9th. The jury reached its verdict after seven hours of deliberation Mm -hmm. following a six-day trial. Okay. The jury found Josh Duggar guilty Mm. on one count each of receiving and possessing child pornography. Fantastic. Yes. Josh was ordered straight into custody. He looked back at his family when the court read the verdict. Witnesses say Duggar didn't cry, but was teary-eyed and solemn as he was cuffed. Mm. Meanwhile, his brother Justin cried as Josh turned to Anna and told her he loved her. Anna appeared stoic, and Jim Bob gave her a hug. Probably a side hug. Side hug, yeah. Side hug. She's a woman. Uh, The family was seen walking together outside as they rushed to a waiting car. They did not give any statements. Um, Defense attorney Justin Gelfand said, quote, we respect the jury's verdict and we look forward to continuing this fight on appeal. (laughs) Josh Duggar smiled for his new mugshot. (laughs) Gross. Yep. And according to sources at Washington County Correctional Facility, Duggar is currently being held in solitary confinement, secured away from fellow inmates as he awaits his sentencing hearing, Mm. which is likely to come in April or May. The jail where Duggar is being held is notorious for inmate-on-inmate alleged sexual assaults and violent attacks, so Duggar is being secured for his safety. And I mean, I have a lot of feelings personally on solitary confinement. Yeah. But I don't know what the solution is in a case like this. Yeah, because, I mean, I've only heard, you know, rumors of, you know, inmates not being particularly fond of uh, child abuse. Right. Especially someone who's, who's famous. Yeah. 
So according to U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Arkansas, Clay Folks, the next step is a pre-sentencing report by probation officials. Uh, so that report will include information on past convictions. They'll, like, score the level of offense. Oh. I can't imagine. No. Um, they'll consider victim impact and so on. Um, and that report will be issued in about 30 to 45 days. And then each side will have two weeks to study the report and make objections. Mm -hmm. And then after all the objections are filed, officials will begin coming up with recommendations on sentencing. Okay. But Judge Brooks will ultimately be the one who hands down the sentence. Uh, Duggar faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine for each of his convictions. Whew. I did not realize, though, that when something like this happens, you only are sentenced for one of those because the um, the crime as possession is a lesser offense hmm. than the, um, what was the other one, sharing? Uh-huh. Receiving, receiving. Okay, okay. So he would on he's only going to be sentenced on the um, receiving. Okay. Huh. Which sucks because, you know, I was I was thinking, okay, the maximum sentence is 40 years, but it's not. Right. Uh, Duggar will also be registered as a sex offender. The minimum mandatory sentence for Duggar's crimes are five years in federal prison. A typical sentence for this crime is usually somewhere between 8 to 12 years. But it's kind of hard to say. The family's influence may make it lean shorter or the notoriety may skew it longer if they're looking to make an example out of him. Sure. Josh's family uh, in the days since have started releasing some statements about his conviction. Mm. So I would like to share those with you now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Jill and Derek Dillard issued a joint statement on their family's blog. Okay. So their statement read, quote, Today was difficult for our family. Our hearts go out to the victims of child abuse or any kind of exploitation. We are thankful for the hard work of law enforcement, including investigators, forensic analysts, prosecutors, and all others involved to save kids and hold accountable those responsible for their abuse. Nobody is above the law. It applies equally to everybody, no matter your wealth, status, associations, gender, race, or any other factor. Well, I don't think that it applies equally, but... No, sure doesn't. Today, the people of the Western District of Arkansas made that clear in their verdict. As a Christian, we believe we are all equal at the foot of the cross, and likewise, we are all equal under the law. Jesus warned his disciples, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the house housetops. Oh, <laughs> for some reason that just gave me goosebumps. Like that, um, they also went on to say, quote, After seeing all the evidence as it was presented, we believe that the jury reached a just verdict today, consistent with the truth beyond a reasonable doubt. Good. Josh's actions have rippled far beyond the epicenter of the offense itself. Children have scars, but his family is also suffering the fallout of his actions. 
Our hearts are sensitive to the pains Josh's wife, Anna, and their seven children have already endured and will continue to process in the future. This trial has felt more like a funeral than anything else. Josh's family has a long road ahead. We stand with them. We are praying for them and we will seek to support them however we can during this dark time. I just also want to point out that Derek Dillard said to reporters, quote, America is the best country to get justice. Are you fucking kidding me? No, no. (laughs) So just a friendly reminder that Derek Dillard is also a pile of human excrement (laughs) and completely out of touch with America. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I feel so like I, oh my God, my feelings about Derek Dillard. Like, I'm so thankful that he took her away yeah. from that horrible home. Yeah. Um, but my God, he's, he's awful in his own right. Uh, Jim, Bob and Michelle issued their own statement on the Duggar family blog saying, quote, this entire ordeal has been very grievous. Today, God's grace through the love and prayers of so many has sustained us. Our hearts and prayers are with anyone who has ever been harmed through CSAM. In the days ahead, we will do all we can to surround our daughter-in-law, Anna, and their children with love and support. As parents, we will never stop praying for Joshua and loving him as we do all of our children. (laughs) In each of life's circumstances, we place our trust in God. He is our source of strength and refuge. Thank you for your prayers. On Jim Bob's campaign Facebook page, (laughs) he posted, quote, As a father, I am heartbroken over the entire situation regarding my son, all who have been affected by it in any way, and those who have been harmed through CSAM. As an American, I respect our legal system and am thankful for those who serve in it. As a Christian... I put all of my trust in Christ in both the joyful and difficult moments of life. As your state senator, I promise to remain an unwavering conservative voice representing our great community in Little Rock. <laughs> Let's go, Little Rock boulders. I don't know. What they're... <laughs> I hope that's their name. <laughs> Play ball. I can't believe he's still going through with it. And let's see who I have so many other statements, but I don't want to read all of them. (laughs) So let me just summarize. Um, Ginger, Josh's sister posted on Instagram, a lot of Bible verses. (laughs) Um, And then, um, said, quote, we are thankful to God for exposing Josh's actions and to a legal system committed to protecting the innocent and punishing the guilty in this case. We are grateful for justice. We are praying for further justice, vindication, protection, and healing for all of those who have been wronged. Mm. Joy Anna and her husband, Austin Forsyth, also made a joint statement basically saying the same shit. Duggar's sister, Jessa, and her husband, Ben Seawald. Let me just skim it. Let's see if there's any Bible verses that are especially (laughs) poignant. (laughs) No, same stuff. Um, And then good old cousin Amy Mm -hmm. tweeted, quote, 
May the jurors and Judge Brooks seek healing and counseling from all that was exposed to them. May the children grow up with real godly men as father figures who will guide and protect them. May the people who were once in disbelief have their eyes open for the first time. Mm. Anna Duggar has so far remained silent, but who can blame her? Yeah. What do you say? Right. On a uplifting note, on Tuesday, November 14th, Jim Bob Duggar lost the local primary <laughs> election, <laughs> drawing only 15% of the vote. Nice. Okay. You redeemed yourself, Arkansas, maybe a little bit. And that is everything I know about the trial of Josh Duggar. I'm so glad he got convicted. Me too. I can't wait for sentencing. Yes. Okay. I have a few recommendations. Okay. Uh, Nonfiction. First up, Quiverful. Inside the Christian Patriarchy Movement Ooh. by Catherine Joyce. Uh, this is Catherine Joyce's fascinating introduction to the world of the patriarchy movement and quiverful families. It examines the 21st century women and men who proclaim self-sacrifice and submission as model virtues of womanhood mm. and as modes of warfare on behalf of Christ. Here, women live within stringently enforced doctrines of wifely submission and male headship and live by the quiverful philosophy of letting God give them as many children as possible so as to win the religion and culture wars through demographic means. So fucking scary. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about it like that. Yes. Uh, Next up, the power worshippers. Inside the Dangerous Rise of Religious Nationalism by Catherine Stewart. Uh, For too long, the religious right has masqueraded as a social movement preoccupied with a number of cultural issues, such as abortion and same-sex marriage. But in her deeply reported investigation, Catherine Stewart reveals a disturbing truth. America's religious right has evolved into a Christian nationalist movement. It seeks to gain political power and impose its vision on society. Mm -hmm. It isn't fighting a culture war. It is waging a political war on the norms and institutions of American democracy. Yes. The last nonfiction I have, Haley, is I picked it specifically for you. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) It's called The Unlikely Disciple, a Center Semester at America's Holiest University by Kevin Ruth. (laughs) It's about have you heard of this oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah so my sister went to liberty um and has since you know she didn't finish she went home a little early and uh she's since seen you know how kind of culty they are um and the majority of her friends are all ones on like the fringe of the liberty society like they you know they lived off campus yeah so they always talked about this book (laughs) oh so cool yeah All right, so I'll read the description for those who do not know it. As a sophomore at Brown University, Kevin Roos didn't have much contact with the religious right. Raised in a secular home by staunchly liberal parents, he fit right in with Brown's sweatshop protesting, fair trade, coffee drinking, God-ambivalent student body. So when he had a chance encounter with a group of students from Liberty University, a conservative Baptist university in Lynchburg, Virginia, Mm -hmm. he found himself staring across a massive culture gap, 
but rather than brush the Liberty students off, Roos decided to do something much bolder. He became one of them. <laughs> Liberty University is the late Reverend Jerry Falwell's proudest accomplishment, a 10,000-student conservative Christian training ground. At Liberty, students, who call themselves Champions for Christ, mm-hmm. take classes like Introduction to Youth Ministry and Evangelism 101. They hear from guest speakers like Mike Huckabee and Carl Rove, they pray before every class, and they follow a 46-page code of conduct called the Liberty Way uh-huh. that prohibits <laughs> drinking, smoking, R-rated movies, contact with the opposite sex, and witchcraft. <laughs> Damn it. Um, oh, and a very strict dress code, even though they are adults in college. Um, my sister got written up like twice, I think, and had to pay a fine for wearing a skirt that was too short, even though she had tights on underneath. Oh my God. Wow. Yep. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Having to pay a fine for a dress code violation at college. Yeah. And just like, just knowing your sister, like I have never once seen her in anything (laughs) that would like raise an eyebrow no no she's very vintage and yeah no i don't very modest yes yeah armed with an open mind and a reporter's notebook roos dives into life at bible boot camp with the goal of connecting with his evangelical peers by experiencing their world firsthand Roos's semester at Liberty takes him to church, class, and choir practice at Reverend Falwell's Thomas Road Baptist Church. He visits a support group for recovering masturbation addicts, <laughs> goes to an evangelical hip-hop concert, and participates in a spring break mission trip to Daytona Beach, where he learns how to convert bar-hopping co-eds to Christianity. Oh my god, I didn't know that happened. Roos struggles with his own faith throughout, and in a twist that could only have been engineered by a higher power, he conducts what would turn out to be the last in-depth interview of Reverend Falwell's life. Hilarious and heartwarming, respectful and thought-provoking, Roos's embedded report from the front lines of the culture war will inspire and entertain believers and non-believers alike. Mm -hmm. I want to read that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, Liberty is just, it's... You mentioned the church. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so big. There's like gift shops inside of it, coffee shops. Like it's huge. Um, and Liberty basically owns Lynchburg at this point. Mm-hmm. I used to work at the Lynchburg Public Library, and Liberty owned our parking lot. Oh my God. Because they, they owned the plaza that the library was in, so they owned everything except for the library building. Jesus. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there's a great podcast series uh, called In God We Lust. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, it's it goes real in-depth uh, into like the history of the Falwell family and Liberty and then cherry juniors just ridiculous (laughs) ridiculous life that's an episode (laughs) yeah it is for sure you need to do that one yeah you really should yeah okay for fiction uh first up i have shiner by amy joe burns 
An hour from the closest West Virginia mining town, 15-year-old Wren Bird lives in a cloistered mountain cabin with her parents. They have no car, no mailbox, and no visitors, except for her, hu- her mother's lifelong best friend. Every Sunday, Wren's father delivers winding sermons in an abandoned gas station, where he takes up serpents and praises the Lord for his blighted white eye, proof of his divinity, and key to the hold he has over the community, over Wren and her mother. But over the course of one summer, a miracle performed by Wren's father quickly turns to tragedy. As the order of her world begins to shatter, Wren must uncover the truth of her father's mysterious legend and her mother's harrowing history and complex bond with her best friend. And with that newfound knowledge, Wren can imagine a different future for herself than she has been told to expect. Wow. Uh, That sounds really good. Uh, next, We Can Only Save Ourselves by Allison Wisdom. Alice Lang's neighbors are proud to know her, a high-achieving student, cheerleader, and all-around good citizen. She's a perfect emblem of their sunny neighborhood. The night before she's expected to be crowned homecoming queen, though, she commits an act of vandalism, then disappears, following a magnetic stranger named Wesley to a bungalow in another part of the state. Mm. There, he promises, Alice can be her true self, shedding the shackles of conformity. At the bungalow, however, she learns that four other young women seeking enlightenment and adventure have already followed him there. Her new lifestyle is intoxicating at first, but as Wesley's demands on all of them increase, the house becomes a pressure cooker until one day they reach the point of no return. Back home, the story of Alice's disappearance and radicalization is framed by the first person plural chorus of the mothers who knew her before, who worry about her, but also resent the tear that she made in the fabric of their perfect world. One that exposes the question. Isn't suburbia a kind of cult unto itself? Mm. And last, Gather the Daughters by Jenny Melamed. Jenny Melamed's dark yet satisfying Gather the Daughters transports readers to a post-apocalyptic colony ruled by tyrannical men. Is that really post-apocalyptic? I feel no. like that's kind it's- of happening. I know. <laughs> In a community shaped by sexism, censorship, and government-mandated procreation, womanhood goes hand-in-hand with servitude, domesticity, and dehumanizing subjugation. As the novel's heroines come of age, they are confronted with the depravity of their colony's traditions, an occurrence that sparks a rebellion and irrevocable change. Melamed's debut is a captivating meditation on the dangers of misogyny and fear. Ooh, that sounds so good. I love a good cult book. <laughs> oh my God, I know. Oh, it was so hard to pick the nonfiction ones because there's so many good memoirs. Yeah. About people getting out of cults. Yeah. The first fiction book that you talked about um, reminds me of a book I had to read for the Jefferson Cup. <laughs> uh, the first time I was on it called Lord of the Mountain. It's a, a juvenile fiction book, but it is it takes place in the 30s. And, um, in like Bristol, Virginia, um, and it's kind of about like, uh, Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol, Virginia, where kind of country music got its start. Um, and, but it's, uh, this boy, his father is like a backwoods preacher talks with snakes, all that stuff. Um, so that kind of reminds me. Yeah. (laughs) It was very good. Ooh. 
Well, that was really good, Katie. Oh, gee, thanks. I know him. <laughs> I know him. That's my favorite. You. <laughs> we done been related since middle school. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Thank you so much for all of your support in 2021. Yes. Uh, if you haven't yet, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. It truly does make a huge difference. And uh, yeah, we have absolutely loved hanging out with you guys for yes. the past year. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and this has been just the most fun getting to see you every week, Kaylee. Yes. Uh, and uh, um, we get to see each other in person soon. We do. Yay! <laughs> We're going to record our first ever in-person episode. Oh my gosh. It's so exciting. It's very exciting. You've been listening to the reference desk. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're interested in any of the books we talked about on this episode, you can find them all, and more like them, at your local library. And if you'd like to purchase a book, please use our affiliate link at bookshop.org slash shop slash the reference desk pod. That's bookshop.org slash shop slash the reference desk pod, all one word. Follow us on Instagram at the Reference Desk Pod and check out our website at thereferencedeskpod.com where you can find our show notes, a full list of our sources, and all of our book recommendations. Until next week, we'll see you in the stacks. <laughs>